Hey everyone, this is Charlie Epstein at Killing Retirement, and I want to welcome you to the show that breaks down this old paradigm of retirement. You know, this notion that I think we have here in this country that you work until you're 62 or 66 or 70, and and then it's game over. Then somehow your life changes, and what do you do? We're really here at Killing Retirement trying to replace that with a conversation to help people to create the life you love to do now, not someday, one day. You're not waiting for my life will turn out when I retire and really start to dig into what you're passionate about, enjoy. And if you really get it right, you don't need to retire. So I'm Charlie Epstein. I'm known nationally as America's 401k coach. I've been in the financial services world for over 36 years, and I'm just struck by this conversation that I've been having with people throughout my career and helping people create what we call Paychecks for Life, which is the title of my first book, Paychecks for Life, How to Turn Your 401k into a Paycheck Manufacturing Company. But I suddenly realized in talking to people that they were working for the paycheck, but not for what they really love to do. And when they talked about what they really love to do, it wasn't what they were doing right now. And I was struck by just the complete disconnect that that was and the gap and started wondering to myself, well, why not have a life that you're passionate about? Why not do what you're really passionate about? And then find either the support that you need to do that. And what I stumbled on is what I call these myths of money, that people are stuck in these traps that they've inherited, these myths that keep them from doing what they're doing. And for example, we just interviewed Dave Sanderson, who was a passenger on U.S. Air Flight 1529 that landed January 9th in 2009 on the Potomac. Life or death situation. And it still took three years to break out of living his father's life and finally living the life that he was passionate about. So I'm really excited today because we've got a very inspiring young man, got in touch with what it takes to do what you're passionate about at an early age, which is just uh, so wonderful, and turn that passion into something that was sustainable. And what I'm thrilled about having Arel Moody, right? Are you there? Yes, that's exactly it. And I said it right. You nailed it. Is a best-selling author, and he's actually the host of a top career podcast on iTunes. It's called The Art of Likeability and founder of the College Success Program and the True Speaking Success. He's been a contributor to Forbes and Huffington Post on the topic of likeability and has even given the TEDx talk on likeability, which is fantastic. He was named to the Inc. Magazine's 30 Under 30 list, which makes me really jealous because I'm 58 and I can never be 30 under 30. So <laughs> have at it. Featured in USA Today, New York Times, PBS, Business Week, Black Enterprise. Again, something I'll probably never get on. And that has nothing to do with my not being 30. Essence and Young Money Magazine. As a professional speaker, he's spoken to over 375,000 people in 48 states and five countries. And he's been a guest speaker at the White House. Arel used likability to go from a kid on welfare in the projects of Brooklyn, New York, to running multiple six and seven figure businesses. And a video of him accidentally hitting his son in the head with a basketball went viral on Facebook. If you haven't seen that, it's a hoot. So thank you so much for being my guest here on Killing Retirement. Oh, and- man. I'm excited to be here. I love the topic. I love the subject. And I'm honored to be a guest on what you're doing. I think you're putting together great content. I'm excited for the people to be with us today. Thrilled. So let's kind of step back and say, you know, how did struggling to find off-campus housing turn into a lifelong passion with entrepreneurialism and you're killing retirement right from the outset? 
Yeah, it's amazing how just taking a step forward can open up doors that you never saw. I never thought this would be what I was doing, but when I was in college, I got introduced to entrepreneurship. I first read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is an incredible mental shift kind of book. One of the things the book talks about is having mentors and successful people. So I started trying to find these people. And I found a professor who was the entrepreneurship professor who became a mentor, professor of mine, and just literally to this day still is my greatest mentor. And my original idea was to create an off-campus housing service. And we wrote a business plan. We entered the college business plan competition. We, we won. We got five grand in startup money, which at the time was like, I might as well have been raining money because for me, that was the most money I could have ever imagined. What year was that? That was 2004. And from there, I realized I had no idea what to do about a business. I didn't know what I was doing. So I started attending a lot of engagements, trainings, you know, started with like Chamber of Commerce events and Kiwanis clubs and, you know, just all of these, anything that someone was like, hey, this person could help you. And most of it was, you know, pretty dry and boring. But there's one time the speaker was incredible. I mean, I was still young. I wasn't smart enough to like even find the person's name or to this day, I don't know the person's name, but they were (laughs) so good. I was just in awe of their skill. And I remember saying to myself for the first time, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. But at the time, I thought you had to be like a 50 or 60 year old person because that's the only people who I saw doing it. And then I saw another speaker who came to my school. His name is Victor Antonio. Got a TV show on Spike Network right now and is a really popular speaker in their sales area. But at the time, he was speaking to college students about, I think it was cultural diversity of some sort. But anyway, I I literally had graduated and came back and I said, amen, one day... I'm going to do what you're doing. I came back just to hear you speak because I love this idea of speaking. I'm like, in 20 years, watch out for me. And he just simply said like the most simple game changing advice ever, which was, well, why don't you just start now? And it sounds so simple, but it hit me because he said, you know, when I speak, I'm speaking from a father figure perspective to college students. You know, when you speak, you can speak from a big brother perspective and it's a very different effect. And from there, I made the decision that I'm going to figure out how to become a professional speaker. And I started speaking to high schools and colleges, and it became my passion. And I've been doing it for 10 years and can't imagine myself ever wanting to quit. You just said enough to go into two books, and you probably even know that. So I just want to back up a bit here because I just really, we're done. But I don't think the listeners got it. So everybody gets it because it is very, very (laughs) crucial. Well, no, no, no. Just the levels that you just shared. So I want to go back to one thing you said, which was you were surprised. Like, you know, you had this problem and you had to solve the problem for you called housing, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people solve problems for themselves and then they just move on to the next thing. But that didn't happen for you. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating because what happens is people believe they have to have this grand vision. And the way I can best kind of create an analogy for it is if you're in a corridor in a hallway and you're looking at this goal, success, whatever it is your definition of it, and you start walking toward it, just walking toward it, you may see a door on your left or right-hand side in this hallway that you've never seen before. And you couldn't see it from when you first started because it was out of your perspective. But by only moving forward, could that door become available? I would not have known 
professional speaking was going to be the thing that was going to be my passion that I would do forever, unless I just took a step forward in my first business, which was the off-campus housing business, which I did for, you know, years, but it never really became something I was passionate about or ever became the success I wanted it to. But because of that, the door opened up for my ability to go into the professional speaking world. And one of the things I'm so passionate about for a lot of people is that when they're afraid of starting, when they're like, well, if I start something, I want it to work. The truth is technically the first business you start, either that business or that way that business occurs to you is not going to be the version that actually has become successful. It either has to change its business model, change its customer, or or you completely do a different business, but you'll never get to that place unless you just start taking steps forward. Right, and I like to say, you know, 80 to 85% of the population, no means never for them. Like the failure no, or somebody saying, no, you can't do that. For 80, wouldn't you agree, for 80% of the population, that's it, I'm done, I tried it once. I have an, ex- oh my God. I have an yes. expression, I tell my kids, they're 14 and 21, but my daughter when she was young. And that is, no, never means never. It just means not now. Right, right. And I really believe that life, success, no, like what you just said, it's very akin to flipping a coin. You know, if I take a coin and I flip it, and let's call one side yes and one side no, instead of heads and tails. If I flip it and I get a no, if I flip it again, I get another no. I know that if I keep flipping that coin, eventually it has to give me a yes. But if I flip it and get a no and go, well, there it is. I tried. It didn't work. I got the no. What's the point? You're literally robbing yourself of the opportunity. Yeah. And as long as you can keep flipping the coin, you always have the potentiality for a yes. Oh, yeah. Well, I do want to say, though, if you're not familiar with the play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead by Tom Stoppard. I'm not. Okay. So either read the book, the play, or just watch the movie. And the movie's really kind of cool. And it does track with the book. But after you do that, just send me a little quick email and go, oh, not that coin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's an opening scene, uh, just for our listeners. So, you know, who are the characters Rosencrantz and Guildenstein? They're Hamlet's best friends. And they're called for by his mother to find out what's wrong with Hamlet and why he's brooding. And they show up and Hamlet knows he's being set up. But the opening scene, Tom Stoppard is such a genius, is the two of them are sitting there and I can't remember if it's Rosencrantz or Guildenstern, but one of them is flipping a coin and the other one's talking and you'll hear Rosencrantz talking and Guildenstern is flipping the coin and you'll just hear him go heads. And then Rosencrantz is talking and you'll hear heads and it just keeps coming up heads or maybe tails. It never goes the other way. And it's this amazing metaphor that, that Stoppard puts at the very beginning of the play to tell the audience there's something wrong going on. like. This whole notion of science, and it always goes in a certain direction, like something's happened. It's even bigger than the fact that Hamlet's trying to figure out that there's something wrong in Denmark, right? And the reason I share that with you and the listeners is, for most people, they don't ever think it's going to go the other way, like you just said. You know, I had a mentor, and I love what you said about mentors, so I want to get to that, that you were so lucky to get a mentor early in life. I got one before I even got out of college like you. He ended up being the mentor that got me in the financial services industry. Without him, I would have failed out like 90% of the people in my industry because of that notion of you just got to keep going till those doors open, right? So important. So great. And then you said, I had no idea what to do, right? When you started this business, but you had this appetite to find out, to keep hunting for knowledge. And then you figured out, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I wrote that down when you said it. 
right? When you saw Victor speak, how did you know? You know, there's a there's a certain feeling, and until you get it, you'll never really you you can force it and you can push it, but for everyone who's kind of hit that sweet spot, there's a certain realization of I could do this. And the best way to know that is when you do it, you feel more alive than anything else. If when you're doing this activity, you have this this rush, this feeling of like just honestly being high off of the experience, when you can get that through the work you do, that's when you've discovered something that really is the the kind of golden nugget, if you will. And when I was watching, I just saw what they were doing. And I had two thoughts. And honestly, this is the honest to God truth. And, and sometimes the, you know, both sides of the coin, to continue the analogy, don't get shared. And the first thought was, oh my God, like, this is what this person does for a living? Like, that's amazing. And then the second thought was, I'm better than this person. I could totally, (laughs) if they're getting paid, I can totally do this. I know I can be better. If I'm not better right now, I totally can see myself. And you kind of had to have that, like that honesty with yourself to say, I love this, but also like, if that person's doing it, why can't I? Like, I can do this. Oh my God. That is so great. I don't know if you know who Dan Sullivan is, the strategic coach, but he's been my coach for almost 23 years. And he calls what you're talking about unique ability. Mm. When you're in your unique ability, you could do it 24-7, 365 days a year that you're rejuvenated. It's actually your fountain of youth. Mm. But passion creates that fountain of youth. And not only is it what you just said is like, oh, my God, I could do it better than that, is that you keep wanting to get better, mm. right? And it's something that, yeah, you you really see it as – I'm never done. You know, I meet people all the time who say, I'm a really great speaker, Aurel. And I go, okay, great. And then, you know, if there's ever like what training or what are you doing? They go, oh, I don't need training in it. I'm already really good. And as soon as I hear that, I know this person's never going to experience mastery. This person's never going to experience the the growth that they can. Or maybe this isn't really a career that's best for them. Because the way I see it and the small circle of people who I really love, when we look at a goal, it's never a finished product. It's always, how do I get a little bit better? You know, I love sports and I'm a big NBA fan. And when I look at the great players, they're always trying to, you know, how do they get just a competitive edge? You know, I heard this story about like Kobe Bryant shaved off like a tenth of a millimeter off the sole of his sneaker to get a little bit quicker reaction time because he was like, if that can give me a little bit of a competitive edge, then that's going to help me, you know, on the basketball court. And when I see that level of dedication to the sport, it makes me realize, well, I'm not an NBA player, but this career is my sport. So I approach the work that I do as if I was an NBA player or an NFL player. I say, well, what kind of level of dedication and drive would they have to have to be at the top? of their game. And I apply that mentality to my work. And as long as you have that mentality, it's always something new. It's always exciting. And if you're, you know, if you know anything about the uh, human need psychology, it's a very popular form of psychology that actually Tony Robbins does with the six human needs, that there's these six basic human needs. And when all of these needs get hit by the work that you do, it becomes kind of addictive. And when you get into that place, it's a magical place you never want to leave. Mm. So you're mentioning some big names, you know, Tony Robbins, you mentioned uh, Victor Antonio, uh, you mentioned having a mentor. And there's two things that I'd like to examine with you is who are the people that you surround yourself with that keep you engaged at getting better? And then the second question, and if we get to it, is something I call matterness. And what I mean by that is being passionate and loving what you're doing. And then there's the day-to-day rigor, right? 
running a business, of getting speaking engagements, network, all that work, because speaking is an hour and then you got to do all that work, right? Exactly. And so I also want to talk a little bit about what is it about what you're doing that you believe matters? And that's what I mean by matterness that drives you through those times when it doesn't look like it matters. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a phrase I was lucky enough to come across early in my career from my my mentor, who is a man named Angelo Mastrangelo. He's a, a professor of entrepreneurship. It was a very successful entrepreneur himself. And what, 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 was he, it, what was the name again? Sorry. Yeah, his name is Angelo Mastrangelo. It rhymes. It's yeah. really weird. Yeah, it's really weird. Is he still um, teaching? He is. He's still. He's one of the top entrepreneurship professors in the country. Really? He still teaches right now at Binghamton University. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Great guy. Just wrote a, a great book on entrepreneurial leadership. A fantastic human being. He was the CEO of a company called Adirondack, which is a uh, private label soda company. You know, he did that for yeah. like who knows how long. You know, what I, I kind of got from him being around him, it kind of boiled down to this idea that I share when I speak that to be successful, you have to be willing to do the things that most people won't. So you can have the things that most people don't. Right. Like right now I'm working on a project where I'm creating this master list of all of these contacts for a specific industry that I speak in. And it doesn't exist anywhere. Like it, I've looked, I've asked, I've does this list, and it doesn't. So what I'm literally doing is scouring the internet, me and a, a couple of members of my team, to pull all of this data from all these fragmented places into one master spreadsheet that we're going to use as an outreach mechanism. It's a grind. I mean, if anyone's ever done data entry before, it's absolutely miserable. And I tried to hire out a data entry company, I hired two companies, and they just didn't, they would say we can't find it we can't find it but what they really were saying is like we're not looking hard enough and i was like well they're not as passionate about it as i am let me go ahead and just do it because i am and while i'm doing this like eyes are just getting dry and they feel like they're bleeding at like 2 a.m killing me already it's miserable it's a miserable i wouldn't even go near it it is miserable but what i do what i repeat to myself is almost a mantra is nobody else is willing to do this work Nobody else is willing to put in this effort. Nobody else is doing this, but I am. And because of that, I'm going to succeed. And that's really been what's driven me a lot because when I first started, it's it's not like I had my family's real support or friend's support. And it was kind of this weird thing to be an entrepreneur when I first got started. But I kept saying to myself, this is the work that nobody else is willing to do. This is the lifestyle. Nobody else is, I mean, it's not nobody, obviously there's other entrepreneurs, but it's it's more of a mindset. Like other people aren't doing this. That's so, when I say I don't want to do it, but I see the benefit, I go, now I have to do it. And that's what gets me through, you know, there's tons of things I do not love about the work that I do, by all means, but it gets me to this end goal of impacting lives. What matters to me is that I'm creating this world, this possibility where people can authentically and powerfully create for themselves their lives. And that matters to me, like to think, because so many people have never really authored their own life. They've just responded to what life has given to them and they think this is what life is. But they've never actually said, what do I want? How do I create it? I'm going to go do that now. And that's what matters to me. And I do that with youth. And I I speak to a lot of first-generation, low-income students all across the country. I speak to college students. I speak to professionals um, for the different niches that I speak about. And I love knowing that I'm impacting all of these people to give them the belief and then the skill set that they actually can become the author of their own life. And for me, if that's what my life is about and that's what I, you know, contribute in this very small amount of time that I have, I'll feel like it was worth it. Oh, my God. That's so great. Great. 
again, golden nuggets. Uh, you said you have your mantra. No one else is going to do this work. So how often do you talk to yourself? Do you know what I mean? I literally, I think it was Zig Ziglar who said, I think it was Zig Ziglar. I think it was him who said, you know, people say motivation doesn't last and neither does a bath. That's why we recommend it every day, right? So I'm literally consistent every day. You know, there's really great YouTube channels. There's ones like Motivation Grid is one of my favorites, but they have these like motivational videos that are like, you know, clips of people like Les Brown and Tony Robbins and... Um, you know, all these people who say like really motivational stuff overlaid on like really powerful imagery. And every day I listen to something like that just to get me motivated, to get me hyped. I talk to myself all the time. Right, and that's the key right there. All the time. Right? Great, successful people are crazy, I say, because they talk to themselves more than anybody else. And, you know, crazy people talk to themselves and they put them in institutions. The difference between a crazy person who's in an institution and a crazy person who's an entrepreneur is we get shit done. (laughs) And there's a big distinction that I think a lot of people miss about the talking to yourself. What most people are doing, they're listening to themselves. Thank you. And there's a difference between talking to yourself and listening to yourself. The listening is that voice that says, you can't do this. You're stupid. This is never going to work. You've got kids. You've got too much responsibility, maybe for someone else. That's listening. Talking is what do I want to create? This is what I'm going to do. Like it's literally pushing against mm-hmm. that internal dialogue. And that to me, when you get that distinction, you'll realize how most of us, when we're not going after our dreams and not like succeeding the way we want, it's because we're listening to that kind of automatic voice versus talking to ourselves, which is that authoring of the life we want to right. create. And I know you've probably heard it said this way. I call it listening to your listening, mm-hmm. you know, listening to that. It's not your inner voice. It's not your courageous voice. It's the voice that was there before you showed up, right? I call it comrade. You know what comrade is? I don't. What is it? Oh, God. So it's, you know, because you didn't grow up in an era where there was black and white TV. (laughs) Okay. You'd come home and your father had fallen asleep in front of the TV set and it was going, right? Okay. Right. And And the thing is, it's this weird thing that people don't really understand fully. And when you really discover it, it's really powerful about how our mind really is set up, that there's all these different layers of consciousness and these layers of thinking. And for most of us, we don't realize that most of it, like you said, it's this automatic, you know, this like, don't do this. Don't talk to this person. They're going to think you're a loser. Don't do like, there's so much of that that's literally, we think it's just in our own heads and it's in everyone's heads. And it never ever goes away, but it can become quieter and you cannot believe it when you start actually talking to yourself and you start saying, well, if I can create anything, what do I want to create? I want to create this. Okay. How do I do it? I got to do this. That's not going to work. No, I'm going to make it work. Like you actually have to almost convince yourself, um, which can can seem weird when it's just you, but it's totally in the realm of normal, totally normal. The Buddhists call it chaining the monkey, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got to chain the monkey, man. You got to chain the monkey down. (laughs) <laughs> and, just, and that monkey is always going to be there. He's he just going to be on a chain. He's yapping at you. You just got to chain him down. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's so great. There's a great little piece that I use that I also got from Dan Sullivan, the strategic coach, and he calls it the four C's. And I want to see if this resonates with you. Maybe we talk a little about it. So when, when there's something that you're thinking about, you're going to do and it's new, right? So first you got to be committed to it. And then you have to have the confidence that you can do it, right? So it's commitment, confidence, 
courage and capabilities. Those are the four C's. And the first time I heard Dan talking about this, you know, he said, write down something that you did that was successful and then write down something that you want to do that, you know, that you want to bring to fruition and notice, you know, were you committed? Were you confident about it? Did you have the courage to implement it? Did you have the capabilities? And I immediately thought about my son who only played lacrosse for a year. He's going to be 15. But a couple of years ago, he, he had played lacrosse one season. You know, he wasn't that talented. Then he saw that the state was going to have this elite warrior tryout. And he said, I want to try out. And I said to him, okay, that's great. But I just want to let you know that these kids have been playing since they were in diapers. And he looked at me like, so. And so he went to the tryout and he was the worst kid out there, except he had the commitment, the confidence and the courage. He was like Richard Lionhearted and literally after 90 minutes collapsed, you know, he wasn't even up to that level. And the coach afterwards came up and I introduced myself and he said, oh, you're Noah's dad. I didn't say who I was. And I said, yeah, he says, you know, he's talented. He's going to be good. And I thought the coach was saying, you know, we'll see him next year and see what happens. And three days later, I get an email that he made the team. Mm, right. And what I took away from that, and I'm sure you've been in this place too, and I want our listeners to hear this, is my son was totally committed. He had a picture of himself that was better than he was. And he had the confidence, that picture, and he had the courage to put it on the line. He just didn't have the capabilities. And I like to say to people is, if you've got the commitment and the courage, that'll ration up the confidence. And you can always either hire or buy or train for the capabilities, right? right? But those first three, so I don't know if that resonates with you and what you yeah. see in the work that you do, but it was I was like so moved and realized that most people do it in reverse. They say, well, I'm not that good. I don't have that the capabilities. Again, there's that voice, right? And they let that drive down their courage, their confidence, and their commitment. You know, I was lucky enough to, I think it was, I don't even know who said, I think it was Will Smith, but don't, don't quote me on that, that like everything you could ever want to learn how to do, you know, someone's written a book about it. And now we've got YouTube. Like, I mean, you can go into YouTube and type in, how do I blank? Like, how do I, you know, start my 401k or how do I, you know, start, you know, write it like anything you want. Someone has probably written a tutorial about it, created a video, created a coaching program, created a course. Something has been created to teach you that. And the skill set is not the challenge. It's interesting. So I, I have something called true speaking success where I coach a lot of people who want to be professional speakers. And I have members of my program who are like crushing it, like absolutely crushing it. And then there's other members who aren't. And I was really racking my head like, you know, I like I want 100 percent success rate. What's wrong with these other people? And then when I talk to them, you know, none of them are the ones who aren't succeeding are just not doing what they need to do. Like, it's literally a plan. It's laid out. It's like, you do this, you say this. It's literally straightforward. But they don't have the confidence and the courage to actually do it. And the people who are either dumb enough to just do it or brave enough to just do it are the ones who get the results. Yeah. And it really comes from those first three. I really yeah. believe that so much because the skill set, you know, I'm sure people who work with you, they figure out how to get their 401k set up, how to get the money. Like, and it's, it's maybe getting over the fear of hiring you or it's getting over the fear of, you know, doing what you say, which may not be traditional to what most people say to do. It's like when you can get over that, the capabilities are set up. 
So I don't want anyone to think the reason why they're not successful is because they don't have the skill set or they don't have the ability. It's never that. I mean, even the story about your son is fantastic because, you know, he was probably outworking the really talented guy who's been playing his whole life because he thinks he can let rest on his talent. But your son was resting on his effort. And he's like, I'm going to give everything I possibly can. And you can coach that person. Yeah. You know, I can coach the person who's going to, like, give me their all versus the person who's like, oh, I don't need to do that because I'm, like, been in this industry for 15 years and that's beneath me. Like, you get the person who's willing to say, I'm going to give everything I possibly can and that's it. They will always succeed in life because the capabilities will be set up. But the confidence and the courage, that's an internal struggle. And they don't have a filter. And it goes back to that listening to your listen. They don't have a filter called embarrassment. Like my son does not have a filter called embarrassment. I know he got that from me. And it's not even genetic because he's adopted. Right. But I know he got it from me watching me in action. And he Mm. got the whereas my daughter has that embarrassment filter. He's got. You know, if you met him, you just know because he's got style and, you know, he wears what he wants to wear and he doesn't really care what anybody else thinks. What a competitive advantage, especially in an entrepreneurial world, if you're going after something. I honestly think what you just said is so profound because that's it. I mean, I've never seen it in that light, but when you let go of embarrassment, there's nothing that will stop you. Because even when you look at these great athletes, like, you know, I'm a big NBA fan, like I mentioned, and the Cleveland Cavaliers won the championship this year. And LeBron James, you know, when he left and went to Miami, he lost all of these fans and everyone made fun of him. The first year he loses in the finals. He comes back to the Cavs. He loses in the final, And it easily could have been this, like, don't try so hard. The boat has sailed. But when you look at him, he was playing every game like it was his last And that's why they won, because his level of embarrassment, I think, diminished. And when you are willing to do something with no care, only successful. Yeah, and although I got to have to just say with LeBron, and it was funny because after they won, you know, so many people, especially around here, I don't know why up here in the Northeast, were like, you know, they hate the king. They just hate it. You know, it was like so much negativity, right? And I looked at these people and I said, you just don't get what just happened. Most people want to win the NBA championship to be the best to say they won a championship or for the money, right? Well, check the boxes. He'd already done that. This man came back to the city and the people, right? It was so much bigger than him. And when he burst out crying, it had nothing to do with winning the championship. It had nothing to do with the money. I bawled my eyes out because I witnessed this man with all his talent and all his courage. You know, he could have bought five islands and just gone off right and sat on the islands. And when he said, I did it for this city, he did it for the people that did it for him, right? When he was coming up. I mean, and that's to me, the key. I mean, and that gets to this other thing that I just, I want to go on for two hours with you. I'm just loving this conversation. I hope you are too. Is that thing about matteredness that you talked about, you know, you're never done. And I want to make an impact and help people be the authors of their life. You know, it's like LeBron broke down because, I mean, what a weight. He wanted to bring this back to the city and thank them, right? So what is it about you? What is it internally inside you? And you may not even know it yet because you're young, but you're wise. You know, Yoda says, you know, (laughs) you know, that has you wanting to get up every morning and make a difference and impact other people's lives because the majority don't. You know, my start to it was turning my frustration into my fuel. You know, I grew up in the projects on welfare. I grew up in an environment where 
I got made fun of a lot. I got bullied. I've been beaten up, robbed at knife point. It was an environment that really for a long time beat me down. And I started my journey wanting to prove people wrong. That was kind of the fuel. Like I needed to get really pissed off. And I think for a lot of people, you will not start until you get absolutely pissed off. Like there has to be this moment where you go, enough is enough. I'm sick of being who I was. So that's what started it for me. But what that's kind of like the rocket fuel that got me through. But what kind of sustains it is realizing that there's a greater purpose. You know, if you look at the cosmos and this is like the really deeper side of things, you look at all the stars and the planets and the sun and like and we're on this planet and we have this life. And, you know, I'm a man of God and that's my belief personally. But I believe that when you look at all of these things can't say that you're put on this earth on accident. Like when you look at how everything literally works hand in hand, that, you know, the sun sets and then the moon rises so that the ocean can do this and so that the earth can get like, when you look at all of these things, none of it is on accident. And then I'm going to be the person who says I'm on accident. Like my life doesn't mean anything with literally everything else is working this incredible symphony. So for me, I say my life has to have a meaning What that meaning is, is simply what I decide to make it. And if I have this one life, I might as well live it as awesomely as I possibly can. Because why spend 80 years hating your life than dying and calling it a life? And we can author that. And I don't think anyone is an accident. I don't think your soul would have been put in your body on accident when you just look at the facts of everything else. And if you can, and this is the idea of like authoring your life. Instead of saying, well, I grew up in the project, so this is, I'm just going to be another generation of welfare recipients. That's life happening to you and you responding to it. But the authoring is saying, what is it that I want if I could have anything? And if I can create anything, which we can, what would I want to create? And then working with it with a sickening, maddening work ethic that will hopefully, just by how I live my life, inspire others to do the same and create, you know, my vision is to create positive viruses that by people living an incredible life, they infect others to do the same, which infects others versus what we kind of have now, which is the negative social viruses. That's so beautifully put. Create positive viruses to infect others, to infect others with positive viruses. That is so great. As you were talking about kind of everything being a symphony, uh, the alignment of the stars, the moon, and I'm very, very spiritual. You know, I I had a client of mine once, he's a very successful doctor, and he hadn't been on a vacation in five years, and he went on vacation. The very first day he was there, the first morning, he reached down to take something out of his luggage and had a brain aneurysm. And when he came home, well, he survived. He's totally disabled. He's not totally disabled as a vegetable. He's still able to walk and talk and chew gum and exercise, and but he can't do eye surgery. He can't do what he thought God put him on the planet for. And, you know, everybody that saw him when he came back, you know, we're all, you know, oh, my gosh, we're so sorry. And the first thing I said to him is, I said, so here's the deal. God called you up. His name is Greg. I said, Greg, God called you up and said, you know, that thing called doctor that you spent the first 56 years of your life doing, you're done. You did a great job. Um, I don't need you yet. So go back out in the world and figure out what's next. And I remember him saying to me, wow, are you religious? And I said, well, I'm very spiritual and I am religious, but I truly believe. And if you tap into that, that you're not done, then that will drive you to find out what's next that you're still here. And I share that with people now because I want them to imagine that that happened to them and what's next. 
because so many people are sleepwalking. And I know you know that, right? So, so many people are right. sleepwalking or they've been lulled into this. And this gets this whole killing retirement notion that will maybe one day, someday it'll turn out, you know, when I retire as if that's the, the be all and end all. You know, Webster's definition of retirement is to put out of use. And I don't know anybody that's working their tail off to be put out of use, but that's what happens. And so you've just given our listeners here just so many great insights. I'm so appreciative of what anybody could do to flip the switch and begin living that authentic life like you're talking about and being the author of your life and having every day matter and having an impact. So precious. Really appreciate it. The key really is realizing that when we die, that's when our use is up. Not when we retire, not with any professional title, not with any relationship, whether it's personal or professional. These things aren't the definition of when we're done. As long as you have life in you and you have control over your mind, everything that you want, you can have, but you have to decide what you want. And it, if you're saying, well, I can't wait for retirement, it's not because you hate working. You just hate the work right. that you're doing. It's not that you don't like life and you need life to be different. It's you just don't like the way you're doing the current life that you've chosen. And at any moment, and what's key is, you know, it doesn't necessarily start with a, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow with no plan and make it work. Like, that's not how it has to be. It can be. But it can just be... On Thursdays from 5 p.m. until 9 p.m., I'm going to write this blog or I'm going to do this, whatever is a thing that is of passion and put it out there with the intention that everything you do in the beginning will be absolute crap. Like you have to be okay within the beginning, just accepting it is a normal, totally absolute normal process that whatever you put out at first is crap. And it gets better only through practice and through doing your craft and doing the work to make the business, to make the income, to make the, you know, the artistry work. And when you do it from that place, your success is guaranteed. But when you do it from, if I'm going to do something, it's got to mm. be perfect. Yeah, It'll perfect never happen. is the death of all living, right? I know mm-hmm. you're going to, it just kills Going for perfection just kills everything. You know, while you were talking about that, you know, one day you die and then it's done, you made me think of uh, another great kind of uh, mentor for me who was uh, Werner Earhart. I don't know if you know who Werner Earhart is. Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of the landmark education. Yeah, so I did the S training in 1980. My whole family did it. I was a training supervisor. So I was around Werner in the old days before Landmark arrived. He said two things that have always stuck with me. And one of them was at the six-day program, a woman was sharing, and she just had this incredible breakthrough. And she says, God, I'm just so different. I just feel so different. And Warner looked at her and said, no, you used to be different. Now you're the same, which I, I love. Wow. love it's it. not about being different. It's about getting back to who you are. You know, like when you were born and even before you were born, you know, you were nothing but white light and energy and possibility. And then all the layers come in. I want to leave this to our listeners. Werner always said was, when people talk about what they wanted to have on their tombstone, his was simple, burnt out, you know, mm. used up. There was nothing left. Right, right. So I wanted to ask you one question because it came to my mind when you were talking earlier too. 
about the kind of the orchestra of the universe, something like that. If you could be any instrument, what would it be? <laughs> That's a great question. I think for me, it would be the piano. I look at something that is a very finite in its construction, 88 keys, but it has infinite ways that it can be played and just incredible. It's used in almost every musical genre. So I think the piano is uh, one of the more impressive instruments that exist. And then the last question I want to ask you, and this comes from, if you ever watch the TV show, The Actor's Studio. I have it. It's not on anymore, but if you can grab it, it's just so brilliant. But uh, when you get to the pearly gates of heaven, what is it you want God to say to you? Well done. Nice. This was incredibly well done, and I'm incredibly appreciative. Thank you so much. Oh, man, I appreciate this. I think you're putting out incredibly life-changing information. I highly encourage everyone, if you've not done so yet, please subscribe to this podcast. Please make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you can get this content when it comes out every month because it's absolutely incredible. And I love the questions and what you're putting out. So thank and you. I want to make sure us. that our listeners can come to you. So how do they reach you and hear your podcast? Yeah. So the good news is with my name being Aurel Moody, I am literally the only Aurel Moody in the entire world. So if you put my name into Google, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, I'm the only person that shows up. So easily put my name into iTunes. We have a podcast called The Art of Likeability. It's listened to in over 162 countries with half a million downloads. And it literally is how to build real, authentic relationships with people skill set wise. What do you say? What do you do? How do you show up? What do you bring? How do you follow up? Like not just the ideas, but the practicality of it. We have very short episodes, about 10 to 15 minutes, and then we do longer interviews at times as well. But the content is really set up to, I believe that no matter how much success and wealth and happiness you have, if you don't have people in your life, you're poor. And no matter how little money you have, if you have great relationships, you're wealthy. And the goal is to create really wealthy people. And I also know that relationships lead to every possible success you want in life. So if we have a group of people in the world who have strong relationship building skills and know exactly what to do, the world's going to be better. And that's the ultimate vision for the podcast. Fantastic. Well, it's been amazing, uh, inspiring. There's so many lessons here that I appreciate your sharing with our listeners And those of you that are listening, you may want to listen to this two or three times because there's so many golden nuggets here that I think will help you break out of whatever you're struggling with. And just know that's part of the process. You've got to wake up every morning and just basically say to yourself, today is going to be the greatest day because it's a brand new day. And whatever comes my way is a lesson. Even if it's failure, it's an even bigger lesson, right? Failure drives more than anything. So this is a show that's about that. It's about taking these lessons and driving them to your success and driving them to you living the life that you're most passionate about and not settling for less. So please remember to go to our webpage. That's www.killingretirement.com. You can click on the RSS feed to get our Killing Retirement podcast. We're on iTunes, delivered to you each month. And of course, you can always reach me here at cd epstein at the 401kcoach.com for any questions that you have about killing retirement i'm charlie epstein i'm the guy in america killing this notion of retirement thanks for listening folks and we'll see you on the next podcast